Hello, and welcome back to The Science of Work, where I, Dr. Lisa Belanger, take a deep dive into the habits, skills, work design, and leadership behind global trends in the workforce. Let's find out how to optimize work design. And today, we're going to talk about how customer and employee experience are linked. Joining me today is Dr. Benjamin Granger, Head of Employee Experience Advisory Services and serves as an adjunct faculty for the Qualtrics Experience Management Institute. He has over a decade of building experience management programs around the globe and leads employee experience, thought leadership, and research initiatives within the Experience Management Institute. We will answer questions on exactly how positive employee experience improves the experience of customers and the bottom line. And of course, this is backed up by science. We explore how to empower employees, keep the best workers happy, and how consumers really perceive their experience. Let's jump in. The Science of Work is brought to you by the Quantic School of Business and Technology. Quantic's highly selective MBA and executive MBA are designed with interactive micro lessons and individualized feedback every eight seconds. Experience the future of education. Go to quantic.edu slash science of work for more. In a 2020 article from Forbes, they state that in the U.S., disengaged employees cost organizations an estimated $450 to $550 billion per year. That's according to the Gallup's report, making it crucial to adapt an employee-focused culture. According to other research, companies with highly engaged employees outperform their competitors by 147%. But unfortunately, research conducted in 2015 uncovered that only 32% of Americans felt engaged at the work. The bottom line is this. Employees suffer, customers suffer, and so does the company's bottom line. Customer experience can be based on many different factors. Everybody perceives it slightly differently. There's some face value components like positive interactions, and others look deeper at brand modeling and policies. Forbes research conducted in 2015 revealed that over 66% of the global customers are willing to spend more on sustainable brands and that number is on the rise. It's even higher at 73% for millennials who will put their money where their mouth is when it comes to sustainable purchases. The research is undeniable. There's a link, employee experience and customer experience. But how is that linked and what can we do about it? Here's our conversation with Dr. Benjamin Granger. How does that employee experience start impacting the customer experience? I always think about it just from my own perspective as a consumer. You know, we're all consumers. And when we go and we interact with somebody at a retail store or a restaurant or a grocery or at the airport, whatever it is, or the Uber on the way to the airport, it just makes a big difference when you're interacting with somebody who you can tell is happy what they're doing, is proud of the work that they do, takes pride in the work that they do, and they genuinely care. It just makes a huge difference so that there is this inherent connection that we all know exists that when employees tend to be happier in their work, when they're more, you know, as a scientist, we use the term engaged in their work or satisfied with their work or committed to their work, it's just a whole lot better experience. The good news is that from a scientific standpoint, there's a lot of data to support that that's true, but it's not as simple as we might think. You know, I think 
Herb Kelleher, the Southwest, he's always had that. You take care of your employees first because then they're going to take care of your customers. I'm a firm believer in that. The relationship works the same way, though. Given an example, a lot of times we work with call centers where you do a great job as a call center rep, Lisa, and we're going to promote you to work with our most difficult customers. <laughs> and so now you're dealing with all of the mad customers. And then that has an impact on how happy you are at work or a lot of the healthcare professionals right now are dealing with that, where they're dealing with sick and dying people all day, every day. And that's having a huge impact on their commitment. So the relationship also goes the way around. So I don't like to think of it as a linear relationship. I like to think of it as more of a virtuous cycle. I'm just thinking the practical nature of this. Then if you dealt with something like the call work worker example, would you then suggest that they have kind of an integration of both? Like they get to talk to the normal happy customers coming in and not simply those extreme cases? Or like what would be the recommendation to keep that employee happy, engaged work environment? I think it starts with expectation setting. You're going to get a promotion. Here's what that's going to mean. So being very clear about what that expectation is. But to your point, I do think that is a good practice where we're not just throwing our best people at our most difficult customers, right? Maybe it's like high value customers who might be a mix of disgruntled, frustrated, but also some that are very happy with the service that they're getting. From an organizational standpoint, you do want your best dealing with the most difficult, but you also want your best dealing with the most important, which are not always the same as the most difficult. And you want your best happy, right? So like something 100%. that can quickly turn a situation around is if you're dealing with really angry people all day, every day. I have a one-year-old, like I said, I know this. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So are there things that companies can do right off the bat, whether it's through research, through anecdotal experience, that does have that direct relationship between you do this for your culture or for your employees, and then that resonates onto customer experience? The way I think about it, and this is supported both by some of my personal experiences as a consultant, but also some of the work we've done is that there's a few characteristics of employees that we see in organizations that do this really well, that harness the engagement of their employees to drive customer experience. I think the first thing is they feel like they're accountable, right? There's reward systems in place for doing good by the customer and also doing the wrong behaviors They're behaviorally focused, so they're accountable. That's kind of the first characteristic. The second, though, is that if you're going to hold people accountable, you have to enable them. So there's training about here are the specific behaviors you need to engage in that drive customer satisfaction or even more customer delight going above and beyond. And then the third characteristic, right? Yeah, I'm accountable, I'm enabled, and now I'm empowered. And this is the hardest one for companies to do. You may have seen this too in your work, Lisa, like, now we have to trust our people. Right. Now we have to take yes. a step back and say, yeah. I'm going to give you the autonomy to give a credit. I'm going to give you the autonomy to say, we messed up and here's how we're going to fix it. Because going and saying, well, I got to go talk to my manager about this. That's where you lose the customer. You talk so much about this, especially through the pandemic is bringing humanity to work. And when you can have a conversation and actually this in kind of this scenario that we're playing out here you can have a direct result and it's a conversation versus this eight-step process that we like bring your complaint through (laughs) is a very different experience, right? Like I talked to a human today and for many of us, that is becoming more and more rare. So our each interaction actually matters more. And then as we get back into the hybrid workforce or continuous virtual workforce, this really matters on how we can bring 
that humanity into conversations. That's so true. And it reminds me of some research we did to try to understand how do people perceive an experience? Like, what do they look for in an experience to determine whether it was a good experience or a bad experience? And what we've seen consistently, at least from a consumer standpoint, is consumers look for three things. Was I able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? Was I able to make the purchase I wanted to purchase? Or was I able to resolve the issue when I called into the call center? Two, how easy or difficult was it for me to do that? But the third and the most important, which goes to your point, is the emotion that is created. And in a digital environment, it's difficult to influence emotion. Emotion is created through person-to-person interaction. And it's the strongest predictor of how people perceive the experience. People very rarely remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. And so I think about from a customer perspective, if you're calling in because you're having an issue, the lowest hanging fruit is, do you feel heard? Do you feel like somebody's actually taking the time to hear your complaint? With that, it becomes so, so powerful. But in order to set your employees up to do that, to do the active listening, the patience, the understanding, what should a company do? How should they arm their employees to have the best chance of doing that? I'll go back to the three things. We're holding you accountable. This is Mm -hmm. something that we care about as a business. It's not tangential. It's business critical. And that has to come from the top down messaging, but that's the case. So that accountability and the enablement, that's where the hard work happens, I think, is that's where we're putting in training. And it does remind me of some of the automotive clients that I've worked with. Most of them are in the franchise models where, you know, you have the auto manufacturer that has a real vested interest in the quality of the product, but they're also wanting to make sure that the service that they get when somebody goes into a dealership, that they have very limited control over. But what we've seen in some of our automotive clients is they putting together packages of training and ongoing education and support processes to go in and sell it to a franchise owner and say, if you do this, you're going to sell more because here's the relationship between happy customers and dollars. So now I, as a franchise owner, now I care about this. I buy into this training, but what goes in it is we're training people to engage in the behaviors that have an impact on customer satisfaction and customer delight, drives repeat customers, drives advocacy, drives NPS, et cetera, et cetera. Again, once that work's done, the hard part is, as leaders, taking a step back and allowing our people to do what they do. Science of Work is brought to you by Quantic, transforming the traditional MBA and EMBA with interactive platforms built for the modern student and future leaders. With a focus on innovation and strategy, a mobile-first network-driven approach, Quantic allows you to learn on your schedule and alongside leaders from the world's top companies. Visit quantic.edu slash scienceofwork to learn more about the modern MBA. On our Conscious Works blog, we post frequently on how to improve the employee experience. Everything from reducing stress and burnout, work from home and office tips, and so much more. All, of course, backed by science. Check out ConsciousWorks.com. So I have a statement. One of the taglines for my company is, your greatest asset is your people. Would you agree with that? I do, with a caveat. And I'm a big fan. I'm going to put a plug for my good friend, Rod Wagner. 
And Rod Wagner wrote a book called Widgets. It's one of my favorite books about HR, but one of the things he says in the first chapter is, your people are not your greatest asset. They're not yours. They're not an asset. I agree with the sentiment with that one caveat. Fair enough. And so this idea of taking care of people and then directly linking it to bottom line, I think that it's so powerful because we are asking for investment in our people for whatever reason, whatever angle you you mentioned, some direct tangible training. There's certainly like from a mental health perspective, there's many different ways we can do this, but knowing that it is not solely for your people too, that there is this direct link to your business and to your bottom line, to your customer experience. Can you highlight any examples, real world examples, good, bad, and otherwise name the company or don't. Yeah. That we can kind of get a little bit of a perspective on how this could be implemented. You know, the one that always immediately comes to mind to me is Southwest Airlines as a passenger. And I can mention them widely because that's how they roll. Zappos is another prime example of companies that they don't just say their people come first. They really play it out. If you go into their physical locations, you can see the artifacts of that and how people are able to express themselves and the humor that the flight attendants bring and even the messaging. On the flip side, and I won't mention, and this is another airline. You can tell I'm missing travel these days, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was, was one airline. I was about to go through the gate, scan my ticket, and I saw this big sign, our employees come first. It was something to that effect. And, hey, this is what I do for a living. So naturally, I asked the gate attendant who was an employee, like, oh, what's up with this? Is that a new initiative? And she said, Oh, I don't know what that is. That's just something we do for marketing. (laughs) So that's a good example of uh, lip service. Yeah, we're going to say this, but we're not really going to pay it off with investment. Objectively, that airline is not the same. I love that you bring up this example of humor because one of our other podcasts is about the humor at work. How can humor be leveraged for employee experience, but also customer experience? From a scientific standpoint, I'll go back to that success, effort, emotion model. If you want to create a good experience, focus on the emotion that is generated by the customer and the employee. And humor is the perfect tool to use to create a positive emotion. It could be as simple as that. And you said it really well. People don't remember what you said. They remember how you said it. People are attracted to people that are are happy generally, that are make them laugh, that generate positive emotions. I think it's incredibly effective. And I tend to use a lot of humor naturally in my day-to-day. It just makes the day a lot more fun. <laughs> you know, it just makes work a whole lot more fun Absolutely. when you use humor. A lot Have more you done anything day. internally or even with your family during COVID to add a little bit of humor? Because what I've noticed, because there's not as much informal conversation with virtual meetings, and there's been so much stress in the world from whatever angle you're looking at it from, where I think humor is even more important, but it's actually harder to do sometimes, right? Like to get yourself into that mindset. Is there any examples that you can think of? What immediately comes to mind is probably other things, but we got into the show Lego Masters and Will Arnett does a great job of that show. He's, he's legitimately funny guy off the cuff. Yeah. One of the things I liked about the show was how they left in. You could tell they left in the unpolished parts of <laughs> the recordings, which I actually really appreciated. There's a more of a desire for humanity right now. 
Like there's more of a desire for the unpolished because all we get is the polished. Like I get to turn off my camera if I don't like my hair today. Or like, you know, we get to decide what we're presenting to the world. So whether that's social media, whether that's virtually at work, whatever way you look at it, and there's a whole part of humanity that's non-perfect. So I love that idea of that uncut version. We should have uncut versions of a lot of things right now. We should just roll this whole podcast unedited. Unedited. Uh, We didn't even swear. (laughs) So it's not even that great of an example. But I do think that that's a lot of what we're seeking now. And then when we think of it through work, so our employee experience, when leadership is having to say these really hard things and and come up with, we have to strategize, oh, by the way, we have no idea what our future looks like. Or you have to roll out some really negative news to be able to do that in the most humane way possible. And I've seen this exhibited really well over the pandemic and then really terribly. And then I'm realizing a lot of my company I say this lovingly, but it's to make sure we know how to be human again on how we deal with really hard situations, whether it's mental health, whether it's hard conversations. That's just such a good point. And one of the taglines I've used a lot with my customers is human beings are generally good at adapting to change. That's why we're on the top of the food chain, so to speak, on the earth right now, because we're really good at adapting to change. Employees are good at adapting to change. Customers are good at adapting to change. But there's some things we're not good at, and dealing with uncertainty is one of them. You made this point about communicating and being just honest and open and vulnerable with people. Like, we don't know what our return to office policy is going to be. We're trying to figure that out. But even the acknowledgement that we don't know as a leadership team, we're trying to figure this out. Here's the data we're using to try to make that decision. That's a much better message than we're not going to say anything because we don't know. Yes. That's been quite a few of my conversations in the last little while. And there's no right answer. And leadership's in a really hard position to try to make this choice. So there's a lot of truth to it. But if communicated effectively go a long way and communicated ineffectively, you're accidentally communicating a lack of trust, which is not necessarily what the company meant, but it's how it's being received if you're implementing certain policies. So Basically, to summarize this interview, be human, like from the top leadership perspective, right to dealing with clients, understanding that people really want to be heard, appreciated, acknowledged, and coming up with systems for that. Is there anything else you can think of to mention from that employee experience to customer experience translation? I think you summarize it really nicely. Just it's okay to be human. People actually prefer that. People want you to be yourself. It reminds me like the first real job I ever had. I was right out of high school. I was working on this, literally this mountain in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. And we were pulling wire. And that sounds exactly what it is. We were (laughs) literally pulling wire through trays and tie wrapping it for this large. I don't even know what we were doing, Lisa, to be honest with you. I was so low on the totem pole those days. But I remember we were, we were all talking, all the young guys and gals were talking about like, what are we going to do? What are we going to school for? What are you going to college for? And I remember one of these older, older guys who's been there a long time, he walked by and he goes, hey, you know what I want to be when I grow up? Me. And it was a good answer. Be you. And when you do that as an employee, it makes a big difference for your customers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Science of Work podcast. I hope your eyes were opened a little bit from the connection between employee experience and customer experience, and hopefully have some strategies to implement right away. My biggest takeaway is that people remember how you make them feel. 
It's much easier for employees to make customers feel heard, appreciated, and supported when that's how they feel from the company. A special thank you to Dr. Benjamin Grange for our conversation on the topic and for my team behind the scenes that certainly make this podcast possible. For full transcript and further resources, please visit our website at consciousworks.com. Remember, consciously design your day or somebody else will.